This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show the one and only my buddy, Stephen A. Smith. What's going on, Karen? I can't see you. I hope you can see me. How you doing? I can see you. You look good. You look good. The sun is out. Yeah. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. You look amazing. Um, (laughs) Athlete of the century. Good. Now, Cena. Cena's in the other box that you can't see, but Mm -hmm. he's here too. Cena Gaznaby. Athlete of the century, Maya Moore. Tell me, tell me why. Well, I think that, well, first of all, we're not talking certainly about the, you know, the the 20th century. We're talking about now. uh, We're talking about over the last 20 years or so, but think about it. She's won two national titles. She's won four WNBA championships. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. So she's achieved multiple championships on the collegiate, the professional, and the international Olympic level. All right? So in terms of being a winner, she's one of the greatest winners uh, that we've ever seen. And then for her to make the sacrifice that she made, a willingness to walk away from her sport in the prime of her career to take up this cause um, on behalf of a gentleman by the name of, of Jonathan Irons, uh, who was falsely incarcerated and served over 20 years in prison for a crime that he didn't commit uh, is just Herculean and heroic in and of itself. But then when you take into account the fact that she was successful in her venture uh, to pull off exonerating this man and getting his, his, his innocence proclaimed legally and otherwise, uh, there's a lot of things that a lot of people have done in the world of sports to show their, hero, their, their heroism. And I don't know anybody right now that eclipses what she has done in recent memory. And I, if the world stopped right now and we're looking at this century, this millennium, um, I'd, I'd be far-fetched upon somebody that has achieved more or greater than what she just achieved. It made me smile when you said that because I 100% agree with you. Uh, in this era where there's a back-and-forth uh, athletes uh, not showing up to play, for social mm-hmm. justice reasons, not just COVID-19, but feeling very strongly Kyrie and, and Dwight Howard and others are like, we don't need an NBA season. I kind of know where you stand on it, but I want, I want you to, for this audience, tell me where, why you, you know, feel the way you do. And, you mm-hmm. know, have you changed your mind about it as we get uh, closer to uh, this season? Well, sir, I didn't have to change anybody's mind. Number one, Kyrie's injured. He wasn't going to be able to play anyway. Um, and he was informed that he's not even allowed to go to the bubble in Orlando. So that knocks him out of the mix to begin with. Uh, in terms of Dwight Howard, I'm told that he's been working out with the team, that even though he hasn't come out publicly and declared that he's going to play with the Lakers in pursuit of the championship, his intent is to do so. But I want to emphasize this. is Listen, as a black man, it wasn't meant to be insulting in any way. And I think some people took it that way, but that certainly was not my intent. I appreciate these brothers. I know them both. I got love for both of them. And I'm incredibly grateful for them being conscientious enough to want to take the position that they take, which is that we shouldn't play NBA games right now because we want we don't want to distract for the movement. And I, I want to give also that credit to Steven Jackson. George Floyd was a friend of his, um, and it hit him on a very personal level in a very hard and profound way. And ain't nothing but respect to Steven Jackson because he's as real as they come. But just because you're real doesn't make you right. Uh, there's a different there, – there, there are other levels to realness, and let me give it to you right now. I happen to know for a fact, I am not guessing, I am telling you, 
that there is a clause called the force majeure provision in the collective bargaining agreement that the NBA players negotiated with the league owners over a year ago. Billions of dollars at stake. In the event that this season cannot be completed, Karen, as a result of the, of the season not being able to be completed, that is what you lean on in terms of its doomsday provision because of the pandemic and because of the social unrest, et cetera, et cetera. We're not able to play. It gives the league and its owners the right to rip up the collective bargaining agreement on the spot and force, to renego- force a renegotiation. That means Kyrie's four years, $141 million contract, null and void. LeBron James, four years, $153 million contract, null and void. Steph Curry's $207 million contract, null and void. Russell Westbrook's $217 million contract, null and void. Completely evaporated. What they were going to do, what they're going to do is rip up the deal, force them to come back to the table to renegotiate a new collective bargaining agreement, take into account the losses that were accrued, Combine that with the losses that you're projecting you will suffer and sustain because of advertisers and sponsors who obviously would take a hit and therefore will use that as an excuse not to throw the same amount of money into your coffers. And as a result, the new collective bargaining agreement will cost you a minimum of 3 to $4 billion. And on top of it all, I was told by at least three owners that a, a hard salary cap a la the National Football League is what the owners would pursue as well. So what I was saying was Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, and all of you guys, understand something. Never throughout the history of the African-American community have we never provoked or promoted or pushed for a movement that did not involve economic empowerment. You, at the moment, are economically empowered. You are diluting yourself, your power, that is. If you don't play these two months, giving them an excuse to come back to the table and rip up the collective bargaining agreement. And then the very power that you talked about having will all of a sudden be severely compromised because you're not making the money that you were scheduled to make. I don't think that's worth it. You can do both. You can protest. You can address things on a social issue level. You've got the commissioner of the NBA support. Owners like Mark Cuban and a plethora of others support you. The players are coming together. you got LeBron with his more than a vote movement. All of these things being considered, why interrupt this cash cow? That was my so they. So were they posturing? And when you see memes of you in a Klan's hat, and 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 your partner with a kufi, that. an African <laughs> with an African kufi on Max Kellerman. That was funny. Yeah. I wanted to retweet it, but I, it was I was funny. like, Stephen A. I may see, see this. So let me. No, I didn't see. I didn't see it. I didn't see. I didn't see it, and I can understand people being funny, but on a serious level, you've known me for thirty years now. You're my sister, and I love you dearly. You know how I roll. I don't give a frog's fat ass what any of I these know. people have to say. I know that's true. It's about the. It's, a, it's about the truth. That's number one. Summer is made to get things done. Why else would the days be longer? And I get it. Who wants to take classes this time of year? You do, especially in this time, because you're tenacious and you know that working hard will pay off for the rest of the year, heck, the rest of your life. Be your best, most tenacious self this summer. Get to work on earning your degree at Ashford University. At Ashford University, your classroom goes with you. The classes are built for summer funds. You can learn from your patio, the beach, Anywhere you are, Ashford University's expert faculty teaches real-world skills drawing on their years of real-world experience. And you can pursue your bachelor's and master's degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, 
healthcare administration, and psychology. And best of all, Ashford's programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule that you can take online in the sun. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to help achieve your goals. Be your best, your most tenacious self this summer. Apply to Ashford University today. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash Karen. That's ashford.edu slash Karen. Ashford.edu slash Karen. Not all programs are available in all states. Number two, and more importantly, let's understand something here. I'm a black man. I don't pretend to be black. I don't have to be invited to barbecues. I have my own, okay? And there's usually ain't nothing <laughs> but black people there. So I don't know. Facts. I, I don't know. Facts. Black people, black folks in our community make me laugh when they act like myself or others have to qualify ourselves to be what we are innately, okay? I came out of the womb black. I'm not just a black man. I'm a brother. I'm a stay black. I just believe that you have people like Max Kellerman, and I'm not speaking out of turn because I've told him this to his face, both off the air on on the air. It's real easy for him to say because in the end he gets to go home to a different community and don't have to live with the consequences of our actions. We have to live with the consequences of being black every single day of our lives. So I'm going to be about pushing and promoting things that I think work for us not just giving the lip service and giving the imagery that people want when it ain't going to do us no damn good. I'm not in the symbolic gestures. I'm in the getting things done. And again, because I do know you, you're factual, but you, you just lumped in, I think, someone like a Jason Whitlock who came out the womb black. And I think those of us who watched this brother move, and I'm, I'm putting up air quotes around brother, you're not in the mm-hmm. same category, even though oftentimes you get thrown into the same category, which I am offended right. by. All right. You don't have to speak on because okay. I'm, I'm. I'll speak on it. I'll, I'll speak on it. I'll speak on it. You know, I understand just like you understand every brother ain't a brother. But what I would ask people to do is look at my track record. Look at the positions that I've taken. Look at the fights that I've embraced and I've taken on. Do your homework and check out how many black folks I've helped along the way. How my career was almost ruined because of my willingness to come to the defense of black people in this business and beyond. Look at what I do for HBCUs. Look at what I do in the community and on and on and on. They can, t- they can talk whatever the hell they want to talk, but I have facts to back me up in terms of I don't just look the part. I am that dude. But even being that dude, hell, I love you. You're my sister. You know that. We don't always agree. I ain't sharp as iron. And, you- and usually you're right. And I'm the one that's usually wrong. But you know that I'm real with it, and I come with you, and I say, yo, this is what I see. This is how I feel. Here is why. Convince me that I'm wrong. And that's where I'm coming from. I ain't going to change, sweetheart. I'm, I'm standing here uh, who I am. I've always been this way. And for those out there that want to come at me with whatever, keep it coming. I'm here. All right. I love you for that. We had uh, Kenny DeJet Smith on yesterday. And he was talking yeah, about growing up brother. in Queens, where you, yeah. you grew up yeah. in Queens. And he yeah. was like, you know, I've been a law-abiding citizen my whole life. And the only two times in my life that I've had a gun pulled on me, and I've been to Harlem, and, of course, I played ball in Queens, as you did, was mm-hmm. when the cops, two times as a teenager, he said the cops pulled gun, a gun on him. And he said it made him have to carry a basketball with him because he deduced mm-hmm. that when he had a basketball, they saw him differently. So if he went to the store with, for his mom, he would be dribbling the basketball. If he had to go on an errand, he would have the basketball, even if he wasn't going to the basketball court. Do you have a similar growing up in, in Queens and Hollis 
well, a similar well, experience? Well, it's very similar. It's very similar because Kenny Smith, even though he was significantly better than me, we both played at the same facility. We used to go to Lost Battalion Hall on Queens right. Boulevard and play. His his brother Vincent Smith actually trained me when I was growing up in Hollis. I had to carry a basketball around me when I was playing at O'Connor Park or Jamaica Park or traveling to West 4th Street or Rutgers or 135th and Lenox. I better have had a basketball with me, with my, even though my uncle owned a clothing store right around the corner next door to Service Star, which my father managed at, managed at the time. All of this stuff, definitely, we all got our experiences. I've had cops, and I had one cop in Atlanta pull me over and take a gun out and point it at me. And if it wasn't for people, you know, flicking their cameras and stuff like that a few years ago, he might have shot me. I don't know. I had a, situ- a, a similar situation. This was about, I would say, about five or six years ago. I was with my daughter, Nyla. We were on Amsterdam Avenue. I think it was around 69th or 70th Street, somewhere around there. And literally six cops surrounded my car, and then two more came. And I, I, I was like, what did I do? I pulled down. I rolled down all four windows. I put my hands on the steering wheel. My daughter was in the back seat with me. I said, what, do, what did I do? He said, shut the fuck up. I'm not in the mood for your shit right now. Literally screamed at me. And I put my hand on the steering wheel. I just gritted my teeth, and I shut up because I'm trying to live for another day. I'm trying to live through that moment. I don't want to antagonize him at that particular moment as long as I know he was. I saw an officer come around. The officer looked through the windshield, and all I heard was, oh, shit. And he grabbed the officer and pulled him to the side, whispered something in his ear. The officer came over to me and said, have a nice day, sir. And then that officer came up to me, Mr. Smith, I'm sorry to bother you. He just had a bad day. And I let it go. But if I wasn't me, who knows what the hell would have happened. So if you're black, you've always had these experiences. You understand that. Police brutality is very real. Uh, that systemic racism is very real. You're not blind to it, but there's more than there's, there's a multitude of ways to skin a cat. You know me, Cameron. You know how I think. I don't believe in all of us going down the same alley to resolve a problem. You go east, I go west. You come north, I'm coming south. We coming from a multitude of avenues to resolve this problem. Some ways, protests are the way to go. Other times you infiltrate and you get inside corporate America and you speak to the powers that be. Oh, by the way, while you're doing that, you encourage them to communicate with the power brokers on Capitol Hill. That's one of the things I've been talking about these athletes yes. to do. You want to really, really make a difference? I don't want to see. I don't give. I, I don't mean this. I mean this respectfully. I don't care about Black Lives Matter being painted in the streets of D.C. What I care about are black athletes getting together with the white commissioner and the white owner and, oh, by the way, connecting with the white lobbyists and those people that the black community has been patronizing, go to them and say, excuse me, we made X amount of dollars. The black community has given X amount of dollars to your product. What have you done in return for that? Are you going to do something? Because we need you to do something. We need employment. We need apprenticeships. We need internships. We need job opportunities. Oh, Capitol Hill, you want to sit up there and you want to kill unarmed black men, but a guy like Dylan Roof shoots nine people at a church in South Carolina, you arrest him and take the brother for Burger King? You know, on the way to jail? Are you kidding me? But a black man that's unarmed is, is dead? How that happen? How about going up on Capitol Hill and saying, excuse me, we want it to be a federal hate crime for a police officer to shoot an unarmed black man. I'm talking about making a difference here. And I don't understand how anybody could disagree with me having that kind of approach, especially when I'm telling you, come down different alleys. If you're coming all coming down the same damn alley, it's easy to get rid of you. But when you're coming from a multitude of directions, it's almost impossible to stop us. I'm playing chess. I'm not interested in checkers. 
And that's what I want us to graduate to as a community. This episode is brought to you by Aroma Theory, and you can check that out at livebetter360.com. That's livebetter, the number 360.com. Hit the shop button. Check out all of the wonderful Aroma Theory scents, including Dreamy Lavender, Tropical Paradise, Gold Shimmer, and my favorite, Vanilla Vibes. It is whipped body butter, shea butter, and it is infused with CBD that comes straight from hemp farmers in Kentucky who are black. So support black-owned hemp farmers. Get your aroma theory at livebetter360.com. Hey, Stephen A., this is uh, Cena Gazzavi, co-host on Thursdays here. Um, I guess I kind of want to ask and build on what you were just talking about. If, let's say, the NBA does come back for a shortened season, what can the players do to kind of build on the momentum of this movement and, and seize this moment? Or maybe you're seeing someone do it right now. What players are well, maybe all, capitalizing on this in a good way to have a, a bigger impact? Well, first of all, what I just said, because they could do everything that I just mentioned, those players have the power to do. These players, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Chris Paul and these boys, they walk into a room, particularly with the muscle of the commissioner and various owners throughout the NBA, to make that kind of noise. I promise you, corporate America will listen. Perfect example, you had Daniel Snyder, who has the name the Washington Redskins. He's the owner of the Washington Redskins. Obviously, that's a name that's offensive to some people, at least, in the Native American community. So what happens? He refuses to change his name. He refuses to change his name. What happens? These corporations get together that generate in excess of $620 million, or I think it's billions, either millions or billions. But what did they do is they went to Nike, they went to FedEx, they went to PepsiCo, and they said, excuse me, if this man doesn't change this name, we're going to take our business elsewhere, and we're encouraging you to do the same. All of a sudden, the Redskins are contemplating changing their name because they're feeling the pressure and the weight of the world coming down upon them. Well, if you're the NBA players, not only could you do the style of stuff that I just mentioned a few minutes ago to Cameron, you know what else you could do? Something that Cameron spoke to. Guess what? How about contributing a little bit more to HBCUs? How about getting the networks to air more HBCU games so it can encourage black athletes to go to HBCUs? How about making sure that just like baseball has a reviving baseball in the inner city program to generate interest in this sport, how about you being socially conscientious enough as NBA players to really compel the commissioner and the league to have each team in each NBA city contribute to the inner city community, not just with their money, but with their time, their, mem- their mentorship, et cetera, et cetera. You can do things that will ultimately make a difference. How about financing some summer league teams? How about financing some winter league games? How about financing uh, getting facilities like gymnasiums for them to play in, all right? And make sure you employ cops. On, on the ready to, to make sure folks are there and they're safe and they have that freedom to just play and things of that nature. You can do something like this in every single NBA city. There's 30 of them. You can do it. It can make a profound difference. There's a lot mm-hmm. that can be done. And, and if you – and if the season does play this year, and let's say LeBron wins the championship, is there an asterisk? Let's say that. On that say that. Because well, first of all, it's going well, to be an asterisk, but let's not act like this, that's a bad thing. The season is okay. abnormal. We all know that. The season is abnormal. We all know that because we've never had to deal with something like this in our lifetime, a global pandemic. Uh, the season was suspended for four months. We get all of that. But what I like to believe is this. Um, absent of somebody contracting the coronavirus itself, what I love about the delay, the suspended season, is that 
champions ain't just about what you do when you go out on the court and perform. It's the level of preparation you dedicated yourself to putting forth mm. that enabled you to be ready to succeed. So while mm. the season was suspended, it was not canceled. You knew at some point it was possible that you were going to be asked to return to action. Did you eat right? Did you take care of yourself? Did you exercise? Were you your proper conditioning? Was you focused mentally, emotionally? Did you use this opportunity, this break, this reprieve to re- energize yourself and gather yourself. I see you talking about your beach commercials and stuff like that, Cameron. Well, guess what? I don't know if that's what James Harden did, but I can tell you this. He lost 20 pounds. He's lighter. Why? Because he knows that D'Antoni, the coach Mike D'Antoni, is going to have him and Russell Westbrook running up and down the court all day long playing small ball. He put off some pounds so he could be in prime condition to shoot for a championship. I'm saying when you got that kind of mentality, when you watch the Greek freak and you see muscles bulging from him everywhere because he's in shape, when you see a guy that's sitting up there and exercising and LeBron, it, it looks like he hasn't taken a day off and all of this stuff because he's just built like a chiseled brick house. You see guys that are ready, and you're going to discover guys who are a bit lax, didn't focus, didn't dedicate themselves, and they prepare themselves to come back. Last time I checked, that's part of being a professional. And if you ain't ready, you ain't the professional we thought you were, and you don't deserve to be a champion. So who does this shortened season favor? And I remember a shortened season where the, where the uh, I think it was the Spurs won a, uh, one, one season. It was, I, I, I vaguely remember it. Who does this season favor, in your opinion, in terms of winning a championship? Well, to, to me, there's two teams that are obviously favored. That's the Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Clippers, it's because of their tremendous depth along with their coaching. They have an elite coaching staff. You got a champion in Doc Rivers, a champion as an, uh, in Ty Lue, who's now his assistant, uh, a future head coach in Sam Cassell and these boys. They know what they're doing. The Lakers have that as well. Frank Vogel can coach. He's not a champion, but he can coach. Phil Handy's been an assistant coach on a championship squad the last six years, first in Cleveland and then last year in Toronto. Um, you got a bunch of other guys like Ryan Hollins, Jason Kidd, and, and guys, not Ryan Hollins, but um, I, I, I forgot his name, Coach Hollins, and then obviously Jason Kidd as well. But the reason why I say I believe in LeBron is because LeBron, LeBron is known to keep himself in tip top shape and he's ready to go and I think him in concert with Anthony Davis are two of the top five players on the planet earth if they come ready to play they should be able to beat anybody even though obviously Houston and the Clippers especially the Clippers are going to be very very tough but they're all in the same division so you're basically saying the Greek freak is going to come out of the east are they still doing that you know so they're going to knock each other off keep, keep, keep Keep your eyes on the Boston Celtics because Jason Tatum is real. Kemba Walker, because of this break, is expected to be healthy. Jalen Brown can ball. Mm. Gordon Awood can ball. Uh, uh, you know, so Brad Stevens can coach. So you look at the Boston Celtics, they can do some things. Marcus Smart had the coronavirus. He's overcome that. He's healthy now. So you, you look at their squad, and they can make some noise, and they're really good perimeter shooters as a team. The Philadelphia 76ers can't be ignored uh, because of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was injured, but now he's healthy. You can't ignore what they can bring to the table, along with Tobias Harris. I heard your interview with him uh, uh, one, you know, a few months ago, but uh, he's a buddy of mine, and he's averaging 19 a game. He's balling. I do think losing Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, however, definitely hurts them. Uh, and then last but not least, we can't ignore Toronto or Miami. In Toronto's case, they lost Kawhi Leonard, but they haven't missed the beat. And Masai Ujiri, a black man from Africa, is the best executive in the NBA, period. He's that big time. And then in the case of the Miami Heat, let me tell you something. Jimmy Butler 
they had like 17 games to go, and there was already a 17-game improvement from the previous year. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Karen, they got this dude, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. These brothers pull up from the parking lot. I mean, they ain't Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but I'm telling you right now, they have no conscience. They walk out of the parking lot shooting jump shots. And if Miami starts clicking from the perimeter, they can really, really, really make noise. And the, the, the one other knock against Philly, people keep forgetting they were one of the worst road teams in the NBA. They were 10-24 and 24 as a road team. At home, they're lethal. They'll beat anybody. But when they go on the road, they're a different team. Something's missing. Last time I checked, these games is coming up and at the Wells Fargo Center in downtown Philadelphia. Yeah. They're going to be in Orlando, Florida in that bubble. It's going to be a challenge. What I mean, but everyone's on the road, and and everyone's on the road, and there's no fan, which is usually right. the sixth man on the court. You know, yeah. I, I've, I've never seen a basketball game, and I've been to a lot, and you've been obviously to a lot, mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. there's no fans. What impact yeah. is that going to have on these playoffs? I don't know because we've never seen it. None of us has ever seen it. Like you just said, you haven't seen it. You damn sure know I haven't seen it. I, I mean, I've seen them practice in a gym during the summertime. But I haven't seen them really competing on a big-time level with no fans in attendance. So it's going to be real interesting to see how that affects them. But, again, what it comes down to is who are you? What are you made of? Now, I understand it's different, but we've watched the UFC. We've watched boxing. Excuse me, you don't hear the roar of any crowds. But you know what? You still got to be careful, otherwise you're going to get your head knocked off. Same principle with these NBA playoffs. You got to show up. There's a championship on the line. By the way, you're getting paid to play. You got and you're risking your health because the coronavirus is out there. If you can't be ready and focused to perform, and you need fans in order to be at an elite level, then I feel sorry for you. Mm, all right, last one of the last questions I have. Uh, Barstool Sports yeah. uh, has been making uh, a lot of noise. Uh, because of a video that surfaced, an old video of one of its uh, founders, Dave Portnoy, uh, referring to Colin Kaepernick in a bunch of myriad different ways of, of hor- horrific uh, you know, commentary about him, calling him an Arab or thought he was a terrorist and all this other stuff. Today, Barstool Sports released a podcast featuring their black talent. I'm putting up air quotes. And the title of the podcast is N-I-G-G-E-R-A. N-I-G-G-E-R, which is an acronym. I know they think they're clever, but read the room. In my opinion, this is not the time nor place to, you know, try to defend white racism and stupidity, um, even if your job is on the line. And and a lot of times, some of us, myself included, get accused of doing things for the man, for, for, you know, I call it doing something Mm -hmm. strange for change. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. absolutely say, Stephen A. Smith, that that's not you. But these guys seem to be shucking and jiving for, for you know, to, to have this out there like that. It just it pissed me off uh, today. I, I, would, I would agree. Um, I didn't know anything about it, Karen. I haven't seen it. This is literally the first I'm hearing of it, which I guess is kind of embarrassing because I've been working this, this morning um, and I haven't been I haven't been on, online over the last few hours. I haven't seen anything. I didn't know anything about it until you just told me I, I'm appalled. I mean, that, that, that's disgusting. I don't think that any black man should be associated with anything with that title. That's ridiculous. And I think that, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to engage in name calling or anything like that. Uh, But that shit is unacceptable. I'm just, I'm just going to call it plain as day. I don't like it at all. Um, And I completely 1000% 
agree with you and your sentiments about that. It's certainly not something that I would ever be a part of. I can tell you that. There's no, yeah. there's no way in hell that I would be on a show with that title. I don't, I don't give a damn what acronym they call them using. If it's the word itself, what, I don't give a damn. That, that, the, that the would acronym, not happen on my watch. The acronym. Acronym. I know that's true. The acronym is now it's going to get extremely real is in the hard R like they think they're so cute and clever. Yeah, this is no, not the time no, or the place no, for that. It's, 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 it's highly offensive. It's highly I offensive. Agree. And it's even right. more and it's even more offensive. It's, 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 it's even more offensive that a black man would allow himself to be a part. I don't even know who it is, uh, but uh, any black man that would allow himself to be a part of that. Um, I can't excuse it. It's their Minority Report uh, podcast that features Trill Withers, uh, Ebony, Liz Gonzalez, and somebody named Za and Willie and Two Bigs. I don't know. Uh, okay, me either. I don't know. Uh, Will, you, Willie you, Cologne? You, I think it's Willie Cologne, yeah. Yeah, Willie Cologne. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith. I, I'm going to have to talk to him when I see him. Please. Uh, you, you made some controversial statements about the players being in uh, Orlando for this period of time and not being able to control their libido. Now, you're going to be there, too, correct? You're going to be there, too. Yeah. And I also said me included. Yeah. Right. All right. So so what are you going to be doing? Yeah, I, wasn't talking to, I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about us. You know what I'm saying? What I was saying is, I, listen, I was, I was joking around and having fun, but I was serious, too. What I'm saying is, I didn't talk about, you know, cheating. No, I ain't getting nobody personal business. I'm saying if you're married, it's your wife. If you are single, it's your girlfriend. But it's pretty hard to put cats in a bubble without their women in attendance and tell them, you know what, you need to do it out for weeks at a time. Let me tell you something. No, they ain't trying to hear that. I promise you that. I, I, know, I know I ain't trying to hear it. I promise you that. Okay, so what are you going to do, Stephen A.? What are you going to do for the weeks? Well, listen, I'll figure it out. Okay. okay. <laughs> Trust uh, you me. All I'm trying to say is that ain't going to happen. That's all I'm trying to say. But okay. I will tell you this. These guys, there's a reason they wanted to be in Vegas now. They didn't want to be in Orlando. They wanted to be in Vegas. Okay. Because they didn't want to be in that kind of bubble. If they were going to be in a bubble, they wanted to be in a different kind of bubble with a little bit more leisure time. You understand? Yes, Why you yes. think that is? So they could drink and, and rap with one another? Nah. Nah. And you can call it controversy all you want to. I don't think it's controversial. I think it's factual. Okay. It's one thing, for, right. us to, it's one thing for folks to do it out. It's another thing for you to tell us we have to do it out. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. All right. Finally, last, last, last question. Uh, I yep. think Mark Jackson should be the coach of the Knicks. I have not been a Knicks fan since Patrick Ewing's finger roll and Charles Smith's inability to dunk the ball against Chicago. Right. I, I tapped out. So I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. I don't care where he goes. I'm following him. You, didn't nev- you never jumped off the bandwagon. You have been a Knicks fan since I've known you, and I know this is near and dear to your heart. I cannot stand Dolan. I, I, oh, the, I. the whole team's a dumpster fire. But there's a coaching job open, and I thought that Golden State did Mark Jackson dirty. I think, I think mm-hmm. they did him dirty, and he's a good, yeah. solid human being, and I would like to see him at least reclaim his time. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think he should be the next head coach of the New York Knicks. I've said that on many, many occasions. I think that Dolan – see, here's the problem. Here's where I'm torn about Dolan. Dolan is a problem child, literally. 
You know, he inherited the team from his father. He's a bit petulant. He acts like a child on far too many occasions in terms of his overreactions uh, to insults and things of that nature. A little teenage kid chanting, you should sell the team, does not warrant him being banned from Madison Square Garden. That kind of stupidness um, and childishness, a, a grown man just should not be engaging in. The flip side to it is that as a brother, Dolan employs a lot of black executives and for the most part has had an incredibly good reputation with a lot of black people who have worked Square Garden. Now, obviously, the Anuka Brown-Sanders situation where she sued him for sexual harassment and Madison Square Garden had to pay her over $11 million. That's a different animal, and I totally accept that. But they paid her $11.2 million. But in the end, what I'm saying to you, however, that's inescapable is this reality. You have to understand that for the most part, he has that reputation. Here's why I think a coach like Mark Jackson is the right man for the job. Because being a basketball coach of the New York Knicks is not just about basketball. It's about a culture. It's about the city of New York embracing you and exercising a level of patience when it comes to the incremental improvement you may, you may ultimately put on display. You got to have one of your own. Mark Jackson's from Queens. Mark Jackson started Bishop Lachlan. Then he started St. John's. Then he was a rookie of the year for the New York Knicks. When he, and when he speaks, you believe him because he's an honest guy. Those kind of things are the kind of things New York needs to root for when it's talking about his basketball coach. Now, if you're not going to go in that route, okay, Tom Thibodeau really does know how to coach. You can't ignore that. I'm hearing that they could keep Mike Miller, the interim coach, just for one year until Doc Rivers is expected to be available after next season and then bring Doc Rivers here. If that were to happen, that's even better than Mark Jackson because Mark Doc Rivers is a champion and a leader who's tried and proven even more than Mark Jackson. But I think that if you're New York, you need a Mark Jackson sooner than later because New Yorkers have to have a reason to want to root for this team again. And they don't have that right now. Leon Rose knows what he's doing. World Wide West is very connected. I think they'll move this in a forward direction. I'm just fearful that Dolan's petulance and his, his ability to win headlines with his stupidity ultimately will cost the New York Knicks unless Mark Jackson arrives. I don't know how you've been able to maintain your fandom of that team, but it, it is a testament to your, your uh, fortitude as a person, Stephen A. I grew up. <laughs> what can I say? I'm stuck. What can I, I haven't been to a game in almost three years at the Garden because okay. of it, but I never root against them. All right. Well, I love you. Uh, you have an Love open you seat here. You know that. Thank you for coming in I today. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. Well, y'all can follow him. Millions of people are. Uh, <laughs> you know where to do that. Thank you.